Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Tape Measure Takes, episode 59. As always, it is your host, Rai Rai, once again joined by Chris, a.k.a. Schwebzy. Hi, friends. Um, for once, uh, as we always joke, we normally have breaking news on Thursdays, the day after we record this. Unfortunately, we do have breaking news about five minutes before we click the go live button tonight. Um, and we're going to start with this, which is Tom Seaver uh, has passed away at the age of 75. Which is really, really sad, obviously. Uh, it, we kind of knew it was coming sooner rather than later because of the recent news about his health failing. But, you know, he was an all-time great, probably the greatest Met to ever met. And yeah. you would think that that's a negative, but uh, no, this is actually an all-time great that we're talking about. Yeah. He's 18th all-time in wins with 311. He's... Uh, multiple Cy Young winner, won three Cy Youngs, um, sixth all-time in strikeouts, World Series champion, which only so many Mets can say. Yeah. And uh, and, mean, and, also a, and also a Cincinnati Red. Yes. But I, I, I didn't he pitch for, like, the White Sox, too? Yeah, the, like, this last year of his career, I uh, no, a couple near the end of his career, he pitched. Like, he was yeah, since he... Since Boston he, for a year. Since he Mets again, White Sox, Boston retired. Tom Seaver, Boston Red Sox. Yeah, what? use him for. All I, I actually, I literally didn't know that till just now. He's eligible for your all Boston Red Sox teams. Congratulations. Um, Yay! This, this obviously, we knew it was coming. He retired from public life sometime late last year from Lewin's body dementia. Um, which for all all accounts is is terrible to go through, and then um, unfortunately developed uh, symptoms from COVID nineteen, and has has left us with one less Hall of Famer tonight. Yeah, but, but ever everyone who's every Met fan who's old enough to remember that World Series, you know, he's they'll never forget him. They won't. What's the what's the line from the Sandlot? Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. There you go. Um, All right. So on to less sad stuff. Onto the trade deadline, which, depending on your team, was actually pretty sad. Let's be real. True story. The you know the one of the biggest days of the baseball season, uh, which just happened. Day literally like what, two days ago. Yeah, Monday. Right, 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 right. Forgot. Yeah, it's been a week, dude. Um, so let's start with the obvious news. The Padres did some things. They did a lot of things. Uh, going into this season, they were rated number two in baseball for farm system strength by Fangraphs. Yes. And they are still rated number two, which is kind of amazing because they, they don't need a lot of pieces. Well, I thought they went down one to three. So maybe maybe I read that in the middle of the flurry of trades. but Or if you're John Heyman, the furry of trades. <laughs> the furry uh, of trades. He, he literally tweeted that. And I, yeah. I, I, the, the, I the love John right I love John Heyman sometimes. It's great. He's great. So they traded, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of their, seven of their top 20 prospects. But unless you're an absolute prospect hound, the only one you've probably heard of is Taylor Trammell, uh, who they just got last year. But the fact that they were able to get as much talent as they did without trading one of their top 
handful of prospects yeah just shows the depth that they had and it shows another benefit to having such a deep farm system other than turning out talent because you know we all know prospects don't always pan out it's true there's no, you know you can trade prospects and they sure did the biggest name that they got mike clevenger uh who we've all spoken about recently for not so great reasons dude when they got clevenger I, I tweeted because I literally thought they did the thing. I was like, they're going to trade Gore for starting pitching instead of just calling him up. Yeah, and they didn't give him up. Wow. Like, what? Wow. There was so much buzz leading up to the trade deadline where it's going to be a big name. It might be Gore. It might be C.J. Abrams. But they managed to not trade any of their really uh, major chips. So... This is a thing that I, I, I've talked about before. I talk about it on Twitter a lot, which is prospects because they are inherently a crapshoot unless you have like an A-tier prospect, a Gore, a, I'm trying to think of another one, a Casey Mize, a Fernando Franco, Wander Franco uh, Luis Garcia to a certain extent, those tier of guys. Dude, he batted 388 last year. Like, don't give me that. Um, your Acuna Junior, your Acuna Juniors, your Acuna Juniors, those guys shot up when he mentioned Luis Garcia. But but those like, yeah, guys, Luis Garcia and Juan DeFranco, same same kind of guy. I mean, I mean, he has more power, but yeah. But unless it's an A tier guy, and I'm saying A tier because it actually is a wide range of prospects. Like, you don't have to be a Wander Franco to be an A-tier prospect. If you're going to turn out to be a major leaguer, you're A-tier. A lot of organizations like the Indians, because they like being cheap, just want a lot of darts to throw at the board. And I think you saw their strategy play out here with what they did. Yeah, like Cleveland in particular, the, the Clevenger trade basically universally was received as, that's it? They very obviously went for quantity over quality. And that's a really good way to rebuild a farm system that got demolished by going for it in 15 and 16. A lot of folk thought that after they traded Clevenger, that Lindor was going to be the next one out the door, but that did not happen. Yeah, um, that surprised me, but also didn't surprise me. So they're contending this year, which is why I thought there was no chance Lindor was gone because Cleveland is a pitching factory. They can like they can afford to let go of Clevenger as crazy as that is, and their rotation is still fine. Uh, case in point, they let go of Clevenger, Plesak came up to fill the spot and like pitched lights out. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the that was the biggest piece they got Mike Clevenger. I think the most underrated acquisition for the Padres at the deadline was Austin Nola. So if you're familiar with baseball savant, go t go take a look at Austin Nola's baseball savant page. It is all red. So he's is it, thirty. Isn't he like the yeah. best offensive catcher right now? Maybe short of Riabuto. Yeah. Uh, so Austin Nola, thirty years old, late bloomer, uh, formerly of the Marlins organization, but he's been like he's been amazing this year, and the analytics community loves him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on top of these, this very useful everyday catcher and this bona fide ace, the Padres also acquired three three relevant bullpen pieces. 
in Dan Altavia, Austin Adams, who was like struck out like 50 guys in 30 innings last year before he got hurt. Trevor Rosenthal, who has had a renaissance. And then they got a legitimate lefty bat in Mitch Moreland. Yeah. Like, Can we talk about how two of those guys were in the Nats bullpen last year and both of them got DFA'd? <laughs> so th- this actually happened. I thought Austin Adams was the piece that went in the Roni Elias Strickland deal. And so I tweeted it, and somebody was like, no, it wasn't that deal. And I'm like, oh, you're right. We traded him for money. That's so much better. <laughs> it's like, yikes. So uh, my, my face just lit up. Uh, Mike Bursow just hit another home run against the Yankees. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to why that's funny later. Uh, that's so good. They should have gone for the head, to be honest. Dang, dude. Wow. Right. Uh, so as happens at every major trade deadline uh a lot of bullpen arms were moved around the reds got archie bradley for a uh, lot were... yeah they did they gave up a lot giving uh, up they're, they're... fairchild and van meter yeah uh, van meter it was a kind of a pop-up prospect last year he started hitting out of nowhere and like just hit the cover off the ball last year yeah it's a little you know we, it's he might be a quad a guy because he scuffled when he hit the majors but you know it's it's a bat with he's got some pop he's a he's might be a quality bat and then um the phillies got the, the david phillips, phillips yeah yeah possibly the two teams that were most in need of bullpen health got so they have the a Phillies got phelps bullpen era not over nine right now still i believe it's disgusting yeah. they traded for workman a couple weeks or like a week ago and mm-hmm. then they traded for phelps today both of whom should help but it's uh this does not seem like the Phillies bullpen's year so maybe it won't we'll see uh the Marlins were weird oh also note on the players to be named later in the Brewers deal if they're not on the 30-man traveling roster or at the 30-man alternate site they cannot be traded until the offseason technically yeah so, so there were roughly a million uh player to be named players yeah L's. yeah there were roughly a million of those exchanged in the last uh you know 48 hours and we won't know, like, some of them are going to be relevant. Yeah. And we just don't know until later. I imagine one of the three Phillies guys will be relevant. Um, because David Phelps still has one year left beyond this year, I believe, too. So it wasn't he, just a rental. He's been awesome. He has the, been. Uh, the Brewers. The Brewers have been good at, uh, you know, reinventing bullpen arms lately. And uh, Phelps is yet another reclamation project that has turned out well. Yes. So the Marlins... Uh, I think played their trade deadline very well. They did. Uh, they, yeah, they traded VR after Isan Diaz decided to come back from his COVID opt out, a la Nick Marquez. Mm-hmm. So Villar suddenly became. I, I just pronounced his name two different ways in the span of thirty seconds. Uh, so it's VR. VR. Well, maybe he should spell it that way. No. Uh, so VR. So I, I was actually looking at um, I was looking at VR's uh, metrics the other day. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He doesn't run particularly fast anymore, but he hits home runs and he steals bases. And it's like the weirdest profile. It's the weirdest production mm-hmm. out of like that profile. But yeah, hey, you know, he as of a few days ago he was leading the league in stolen bases. He might still be more power so, to him. No, yeah. technically not because he went over division li- uh, league lines. Is he not leading the AL? 
No, because the stats get reset. They don't transfer between leagues. Uh, 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 uh. Even though there's DHs uh. in both leagues now, so it's the point. original point of that is null and void. Yeah, that is kind of funny. They're, they're definitely going to keep segregating the stats like that, even though it really doesn't matter that much anymore. Yeah. I haven't thought of that. If they make it permanent, I think they will do that. Um, Maybe. And then they got Starling Marte. Yeah, and the return was, like, pretty light. I, I mean, they got Caleb Smith back. And Caleb Smith has had one... 10 start stretch where he was lights out and then he's basically been hurt since yeah which is why he got traded to the marlins in the first place and then they traded him back to the diamondbacks which is just odd what a get like getting starling Marte for someone who might never really be healthy like what a get so so like here's the thing Marte, i believe had a mutual option on the deal he signed in pittsburgh and it was clear And it was clear that he was not going to take his side of the deal if he was still in Arizona. So Arizona didn't want to pay him. And Arizona didn't want to pay him either. I think neither side wanted to pick up that option. But Arizona could at least get something if they did. So I think they decided to just move him to the deadline now and not have it be a problem for them, which is a really smart play. Yeah. Uh, So... Arizona did a, you know, Arizona did a smart thing. They, they sold off a little bit. Uh, I, I thought they might sell a little bit more, but I mean, they, they, they got rid of the most obvious pieces. Yeah. Um, and then the Blue Jays kind of had the second best deadline. The Blue Jays were the recipients of the VR. They were, but is that like a hot take to say they're the second best trade deadline behind the, the Padres? Although they're like two heads above the Blue Jays. I don't think so. Um, cause they've got, they got Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling, and Tawan Walker. Now, of course, only right. one of them is signed for next year, but you would think having them would give them the leg up in at least keeping one of Ray and Walker. Right. So uh, we'll talk about why this is, uh, you know, a good uh, a good series of acquisitions for Toronto in a few seconds. The last spe- the the last team's transactions that I want to talk about near and dear to my heart. Uh, my my broken heart lately. The uh, the Mets, they traded for Todd Frazier. They brought him back. Well, I I think Todd Frazier just went to his GM, maybe gave Brody a call and was like, you think you can like send get, me closer to home maybe? You think you can get me out of Texas, please? You think you can? <laughs> well, so, you know, famously part of the Tom's River uh, Little League World Series team, uh, Tom Todd Frazier is uh, from around here, so uh, he's back home in the same deal. I loved the Mets got Robinson Chirinos. I loved the cut Chirinos. for tweet. I loved the cut for tweet because they <laughs> I don't do. Know if you know, because they do the first team photoshops, the really bad ones, and they go, "Hey, mm-hmm. we finally did a totally real Photoshop of Todd Frazier's Mets uniform for the first time, and it was just <laughs> a picture from last year." Yeah, so. I didn't. All right, a, cu- a couple days ago, JD Davis got hit on the hip with a pitch, yeah. and then the next day he came out of the game w- with an undisclosed injury. So it looked like a typical Mets thing, where it's like, oh no, this is going to be worse than it looked. But now he's back today. So like, my, I was going to say, are we going to find out what his real injury is like sixteen months no, from now? No, he, he had two hits today. The last time I looked. Wow. So 
Yeah, like when the Frazier trade went down, I was like, well, there goes J.D. Davis this year. Like his his injury must be worse than I thought. But I mean, he seems to be fine. So I just don't understand the Frazier trade at all. And then they got uh, Castro too. Right, Miguel Castro from Baltimore. Uh, in that deal, they gave up a pitching prospect named Kevin Smith, uh, which is a very generic name for not the a, director. Yeah, not not that one. Also, not the. I, I think there's also a Kevin Smith shortstop prospect for Toronto. Uh, yeah, that sounds yeah. right. So, Kevin Smith is not like a world beater of a prospect. Like nope. you know, I I doubt we're gonna rue the day. Mm-hmm. But if any team shouldn't be trading starting pitching prospects away, it's the Mets. And didn't they lose another starter on waivers too? Uh, they DFA'd Walter Lockett. I don't know if he came back or not. Like, I don't know if he got through waivers. I believe he got claimed too, because there are a bunch of people I'm... talking about trading Kevin Smith and then losing Lockett on waivers. Makes sense. Which... So, yeah, uh, I didn't particularly understand the Mets trade deadline. Even Chirinos, um, it's like Tomas Nito is out with COVID, uh, presumably because he's the only guy in the DL after that uh, fiasco. Hey. So, Nito was, like, really good, and he was the backup catcher to begin with. So, like, if we have Ramos and Nito, why are we trading for another what, whatever? Uh, the Mets are doing Mets things. They're going to punish Nito for catching COVID and keep him down now. Yes. Future star Tomas Nito. Yep. All right, so winners and losers. I think the obvious far and above, three heads above the rest winner is San Diego. They went to, I don't I don't want to say competing with the Dodgers because I still think they have a deeper overall roster by a lot in L.A., but they just made that series, if they end up facing each other, a lot more interesting. Yeah, like the Dodgers traded away Stripling and like, their fifth starter has their new fifth starter has like a point five ERA. So, <laughs> and somehow they're going to lose to the Marlins in three games in the first series. It's incredible. Oh it, it's incredible. I, I feel like I feel like a, a Marlins uh, World Series run from the wild card spot is sneaking up on us right now. God, it's happened twice before. Uh, so yeah, like San Diego, like like we said earlier, they added one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players who are all likely to be on their everyday roster. Yeah. So, like, they remade a third of their team, and positively. Yes. I didn't, so I didn't totally understand the Moreland trade, because Hosmer is a lefty first baseman with a platoon split, but uh, with the DH now a thing, Moreland adds some lefty thumps to the lineup. Yeah, it's it's getting another lefty in there, I think, because if I remember correctly, they were pretty righty-heavy, yeah. especially at the top it, of the it, lineup. It, that so now against righty uh, pitchers now they're going to have Hosmer, Moreland, and Trent Grisham in there, and that really that really provides some uh, lefty thump there. Yes, um, Toronto. Yes, so we briefly mentioned all the starters they acquired. Uh, VR is good. That's cool. They uh, he probably slots in where uh, Bo Bichette, uh, you know, came out of the lineup. Uh, so, yeah, because he's down for a little bit longer, too. Yeah, uh, the year. The year. Yeah. Suppo so, supposedly he's coming back next week. 
Like, I had three people message me saying, Bo's not out for the year. He's coming back next week. Um, I haven't heard that, but, that, I mean, that would be... He's huge, resuming huge baseball activities, but that's far from coming back. Yeah. Um, so we spent all offseason uh, in our previews talking about how the Blue Jays have all these young hitters. Uh, they don't it's, draft it's kind pitching. Of the, the reason that they're succeeding isn't all of those young hitters. It's because, like, Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Grichuk both had massive breakouts at the same time. Yeah. Which is weird. But, hey. Uh, so it's Toronto 2020. Is... Dumber things have happened. Yeah, yeah. So the Yankees are scuffling. There's a couple teams in the AL that are doing significantly worse than we thought. So there's a playoff spot there that is ripe for the taking for Toronto. And we kept saying how the pitching, if, if they need pitching, they, they, if they get starting pitching, they're going to be an interesting team. And what did they do in the last six months? They got 80% of a starting rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't love Robbie Ray because Robbie Ray uh, does not love throwing the ball over home plate, but yeah, he uh, walks a lot know, of guys, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Ryu, uh, Ryu has been way better than I expected in the AL. I thought he was going to get annihilated in the AL, in that division, in that ballpark. But they're not playing in Toronto. No, they're Although, not. They're playing in I, Buffalo. I hear Buffalo. Buffalo's pretty rough on hitter on pitchers too. So from what I hear, it's it's a very weird ballpark because it's it's kind of like Yankee Stadium and it's got short corners, but dead center is like a dead zone. Yeah. Well, so Toronto got you know four uh, at least four veteran quality starters now. Uh, Taiwan Walker already threw a very good start for them as soon as he came over. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if they're starting pitching uh, does what they've done historically, they're going to be they, – they might be in good shape. They, they're they, – I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they might be a lock for the playoffs. Uh, I think they are at this point, especially with the expanded field. I'm going to add another winner here. The Mariners. Oh? They got a return on Walker, who signed a million-dollar deal right before everything got shut down. And That was savvy. That was a very savvy move. It was, and they turned him into something at the trade deadline, which is always great to see. Bullpens can be rebuilt fairly easily nowadays if you're smart, if you're smart about it. And so to trade a catcher and two relief pitchers and get something like Trammell back to add to your already deep prospect lineup is pretty ridiculously incredible. Yeah, and not for nothing, in that Austin Nola deal, they got someone who might be their catcher of the future in uh, Luis Torrens. Yes. So, so they... yeah, uh, it's I, I'm a little... I thought for sure that when they traded for Trammell that they were going to then flip him, but they did not. Uh, so now they have so many outfield prospects, it's ridiculous. They have Kellenic, Kyle Lewis, uh, they have Hanniger, they have Taylor Trammell, they have Julio Rodriguez. That's, you know, a lot of outfielders for three outfield spots. If, if you give me a gut check, I think they're going to trade Hanniger and then probably Rodriguez and keep the other three. I just don't know if Hanniger has any value until he shows he can, you know, play, play baseball play again. again. Yeah, but I mean, they'll they'll take they'll eat the contract just to get rid of it. But um, another winner, I think. I, I think they won by selling because they definitely made their potential lineup of the future deeper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the Mariners have 
basically since the new the new regime took over, uh, they've done almost nothing but good things. Yep, he likes trading. He, oh, he does. Uh, the losers. I think the big one is the Indians, obviously. Yeah, they like have. Both, I, I I don't like quantity over quality. Give me give me the one stud over the five iffy guys. Yeah, I, I I would agree, but I'm very much a quantity over quality guy. You want more darts to throw at the board, unless you can get that yeah, but, one slam dunk guy. Yeah, but they need to be good darts. Yeah, that's true. They need to at least have a point on them. Um, yeah. to put it mildly, I cannot believe they barely they got like what three months of Yasiel Puig for Trevor Bauer, basically. Well, they got Fran Mill. Oh, and Fran Mill in that same deal. That's right. It was, then, it was a three-way with uh, San Diego. And then they traded and, Kluber for a reliever and, like, a nothing Emmanuel starting pitching Cross prospect. Emmanuel and Delano DeShields for Kluber. Mm-hmm. And, like, even before Class A went down with that, went down, got nailed for that suspension, um, even even before that, it was like, what? Yeah. And now it's... Now it just looks even Definitely looks bad. And the Clevenger return, I actually have the least problem of the three deals with Clevenger. Yeah. I get I what mean, they were they, trying to do. They're, they tried to, in the same trade, get some future value and help the Major League team. Yes. So that's hard to do. I, I can't say that they did it well, but, the, you know, they, they tried. Um, At least you tried. And then, uh, you didn't think I was going to do a podcast without mentioning my team. Uh, the Nats, yeah. the Nats were big losers the trade deadline. Uh, standing pat. Um, they had offers for seven to ten players on that roster and didn't move any of them. Who should they have traded, in your opinion? Anybody who's on the an expiring contract. Uh, anybody who was on an expiring contract. They had offers for most of them. They had offers for Michael A. Taylor. They had offers for Eaton. They had offers for Cabrera and Kendrick and Thames and Suzuki and even Eric Fetty. Well, I so the it matters what the offers were, right? So yeah. the two thousand, I want to say it's the two thousand seventeen Mets. Uh, it's the year after, or maybe maybe two thousand eighteen. So it's not the year after the playoff run yeah. after the World Series. Yeah. So yeah, the Mets had were an obvious seller, and they made about six trades mm-hmm. and got zero players worth a damn see i would i would agree with that assessment except one problem Keyboom and garcia graduated off the prospects list so now you have none they have the worst farm system in baseball they're ranked 30th Ooh, i don't and, know but really below the brewers uh-huh oh and get this they're the first teams since the 2015 tigers and the 2013 phillies to have zero prospects in the top 150 Woof. Now, in the postseason prospect update, I imagine Rutledge or Cavalli will move into the top 150. Possibly both. But that is not good when you look at the top six Nat start, starting pitching prospects because they're going to need two starters next year. They have two that throw over 94 miles per hour. Not ideal in 2020. I mean, dude, they drafted two 91-mile-per-hour sinker ball control guys in this draft. And I'm like, what are you doing? We already have six of them. 
Yeah, but like scouts that were born in like 1920 love your farm system. <laughs> you mean Mike Rizzo? <laughs> Oh, wait, uh, yeah. oh, wait, uh, Boone's dad is one of our scouts, so, yeah, that makes complete sense. So, in a similar vein, the Rangers also did not sell. Well, so they traded away Mike Miner to the uh, Oakland Athletics, to uh, which I say I don't like the idea of Mike Fires being around a Miner, but... <laughs> Sorry. Um... Yeah, so everyone was talking that about... That took me a minute, I'm sorry. <laughs> everyone uh, everyone was talking about them trading away Lance Lynn. Everyone was talking about even maybe a Gallo trade, none of which came to fruition. I feel like I, 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 I'm stunned that they didn't get a good offer for Lance Lynn. Cause Dude, as soon as... I, as soon well, as Lance I heard that Lynn they wasn't going to get traded, yeah. He's a legitimate ace right now. Yeah. Like, I know you, you hear Lance Lynn and ace doesn't come to mind, but he is a legitimate ace right now. But, like, as soon as, like, Heyman reported that they weren't interested in trading him and it moved on to other deals with, like, three hours to go to the deadline, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, it, it it's blew truly my wild mind. And then, and then as soon as they announced Gallo was on the block. What? They're not in position to compete next year. No, What's they're not. What's the point in hanging on to Lynn at this point? What's the point of hanging on to Gallo at this point? Well, yeah, yeah. Massive dongs is always my answer. Fair point. But as soon as they announced that Gallo was on the trade block, I'm like, keep, keep Boom and Denneberg go. Get him. Oh, have, have you soured on uh, Key Boom that much? I have. Because of the uh, tough stretch this year? I have. But he's yeah, playing he great defense, so I want to give him another shot, to be fair. Yeah. All right. Um... So, what was your biggest surprise of the trade deadline? The Marlins taking the flyer on Marte's option because I think it signals that they intend to compete next year pretty heavily, which would make them interesting I, players in the free agency market in this offseason. Look, I said during the offseason, and I'm on the record, teams like the Padres, the Marlins, the Rays, teams with dozens of arms they can throw at you are the teams best suited to succeed this yes. year. And, and look what's the, happening. At, yeah. Like, the Marlins, like, you might not believe it, but <laughs> if they make it to the playoffs, like, they're legitimately, like, threatening. I have, I ha I just, I just randomly had a thought pop into my head. How bad would that trade look if the Marlins go, go and bring Real Muto back? That would look super bad. So You have Jorge Alfaro backing up the guy he was traded for, and he's catching 6-0. I saw I saw a really good tweet the other day that was basically, man, the Marlins are looking good right now. They should go out and trade for someone like Real Muto or Yelich. <laughs> like, the one the one I saw in Real Muto this week that really got me was if Bryce Harper really loves JT Real Muto, he should tell him to stop signing in Philadelphia. <laughs> like yikes, man! Fans are bad, and then they've gone like five and one since that tweet too. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's that's all I got on the trade deadline. My other big surprise was how few big deals happened, because there are some other expiring co contracts that I thought would get moved. Yeah, I mean the biggest name was Cleb Dog, and then second biggest was j a lot of people thought the the Red Sox were going to sell, and they basically did nothing besides Workman. 
JD has an opt-out after this season. I thought they might move him. And that didn't happen either. And it's like, yeah, we're going to stick with this giant payroll that can't win. So it's there was a there was heavy speculation that we would have a boring trade deadline. And I think really the only thing that stopped that from happening is AJ Preller uh, and uh, Seattle's impulsive need, Depoto's impulsive needs to make trades constantly. Make trades, yeah. Um, and both of them won, so whatever. It's a I, thing. All right, so... On MLB in, news, which we will wrap yeah, up very in, quickly. In non-trade news, yeah, in non-trade news, uh, the A's have been sitting out because of a COVID case. Uh, yes. We don't know who, but we do know that since the initial uh, positive tests, they've been good. So they will hopefully be back on the field uh, before Friday. You know, before the end of the yeah. Is it Friday? Friday is good. their first scheduled game. They canceled Thursday. Originally, it was only Tuesday and Wednesday. Um. I am making the same argument I've made for the last two weeks when we talk about these positive COVID cases and teams losing teams. This has to stop. This isn't viable anymore. Um, all of the days are scheduled, and unless you're going to start playing doubleheaders and hurt players basically intentionally, they can't have any more teams go down. So, I like, yeah, yeah, in spirit, yeah, this can't happen anymore. But, like, in practice, like, there's just so many players involved with baseball like, it's also, almost impossible. It's a numbers game. Also, like, we've gone from, like, 15 cases to, like, 7 to, like, 3 to, like, 2 to, like, 1. So I like the general trend, <laughs> if we're I, being I honest. Say, I would say, as a whole, MLB has done better than I expected. Oh, yeah, I was expecting us to be done not playing baseball by now. Yeah, like, there was a very loud contingent, contingent saying that the season's just shot. But we are now halfway through the season. We have played a month. And... We're more than halfway through the season. We only have like twenty six games or twenty four or twenty five games left. Yeah. So I mean, we're looking. Uh, we're looking. Uh, God, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to jinx it. But you know, knock on wood. Yeah. Um. We had a, we had an incident with uh, with notably loved uh, teams, the the New York Yankees. The not- notably loved, uh, universally loved and adored player, Araldis Chapman, too. Yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Great guy. That was he sarcasm, a, by the way. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. Uh, he threw a 101-mile-an-hour fastball over Mike Brousseau's head. Yep. Way closer than Joe Kelly's fastball was. And he he released it, and instead of, instead of like going like, oh my god, I threw a 101-mile-an-hour fastball near someone's head. He just started stalking towards the plate. Yeah, he knew. He knew what he did. It was like, intentional. It, it seemed, it, you, you know, I, I don't want to say with any certainty, like, but it sure seemed intentional. Well, it, it, and even in MLB, and their suspending statement said, this is a player that has done this before on his own, taken it, this into matters on his own, and has done this before, and so it's an automatic suspension. We're not going to, we can't assume this is incidental at all. We're going to assume it was on purpose and intentional because of past actions, which makes sense. But then why isn't his suspension longer? I mean, it's the Yankees and they need them to win games, but. He got three games and he's uh, probably going to wind up with two after after he, uh, you know, 
gets that night. They always get knocked down. I feel like I I don't think they can appeal a three. I don't think they can appeal a three game suspension. I think it might. Get said he, they said he's going to. He's going to, but they'll probably uphold it at three games because it's not that much. It's one series. Um, and then. I saw, of the season. I saw a lot of Yankees fans getting mad at Aaron Boone's one-game suspension. 99% of the time when a somebody has their head thrown at, as a matter of quote-unquote fairness, they suspend the manager for a game as a matter of protocol. And there was a, uh, oh boy, I thought I thought you had the quote from Kevin Cash, but let, let me pull it up while you, oh, I uh, did. While you talk about that. Different quote. Oh. While, you, while you talk about what Kevin Cash said, let me pull up the quote I was thinking of. So when this was brought up to Kevin uh, Cash saying that Araldis was going to appeal and probably would play in the rest of the series, it was like somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on this matter is I've got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98, period. Yeah, and he was he was pretty vicious in his uh, appraisal of the Yankees. I am still trying to find it. He also basically just said that he didn't think they were going to get suspended at all because it was the Yankees, too. Like, he didn't hold back anything. Damn, I can't find it. So we're going to move on while I keep looking for it. But in the aftermath, uh, today, uh, a day after the incident, Mike Brousseau, the guy who got his head thrown over with a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, and we say that he got you know, a pitch thrown over his head, yeah. but it like grazed his helmet. Like it was dangerous, Hi, you know, highly dangerous. So yeah. Uh, Bruso is the, was the quote victim. Nothing actually happened, but it came close. And today he hit two home runs yeah. in, in a happy ending. By the way, that, that, Oh yeah. It's poor judgment, poor coaching, poor teaching, poor organizational management. Yes. There it is. <laughs> Kevin Cash to the Yankees. And I heard that, and I was like, ooh, it's getting good. Fight, 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 Drag fight. them, Kevin. Drag them. <laughs> right. Um, and now Kevin he has... Cash money. And now Broussard has... Broussard has two home runs tonight? Yes. And they were winning 5 nothing they after sh- that they second sh- home run. They should have done Thanos. They should have done what Thor didn't need to do to Thanos. They should have gone for the head, man. <laughs> and not going to lie, like, the Yankees are just coming off uh, you know, they come off very, very badly here because the Rays have flat out owned them this year. Dude, the Yankees just are not the Yankees of old anymore. And I don't well, know I how don't, I don't know how long it's gonna hurt. take. I don't know how long it's gonna take people to realize this. Like Cole Cole has been underwhelming, Paxton's hurt. Like, who's their number one starter right now? Jordan Montgomery. Like Paxton is a Paxton is a free agent too. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I mean, but Judge is hurt, Stanton's hurt. Yeah. Their best hitter, their best hitter right now is well, Luke Boyd's been amazing. DJ so. LeMahieu's been good this, at the end this year too. Yeah, but, but yeah, like uh, it, it, there's been a lot of uh, a lot has gone wrong with the Yankees or yes. uh, with injuries, as per usual lately. Yep. But uh, yeah, uh, real quick on uh, real quick on MLB the Show. Eighth uh, innings coming uh, out. Slow week, slow week on MLB The Show. Yes. Uh, New World New World Series rewards. Mike Piazza and Ted Williams, both of their best cards of the year, have been released. Ted Williams is basically a uh, Stan Musial with swapped platoon splits. He's almost exactly the same as Musial, just with swap the power left and right. Interesting. Yeah. 
which I like better because his power is versus righties, while Musial's is versus lefties. Give, yes. me, give me the uh, give me the actual platoon guy every time. Yes, it's true. And Piazza Piazza is what you would expect. Amazing hitting, uh, and can't play catcher. <laughs> Def- defense that's good enough to get him to 99. DH, DH, DH. Yeah. Um, they need oh, to and, do and it. A, a future star, future star Forrest Whitley, which Ooh. looks sick. I, I kind of want to try that card out. I kind of want to cop that. That uh, sounds great. I like the future star series this year. I've had more fun playing oh, with yeah. them. Love it. I Remember literally... really mad at that? Yeah, I have a... um. The two teams I've been playing with when I play, like, pickup games with friends and stuff online, like, versus friends, is I have a Prospects squad from the Prospects they released earlier in the year, and then I have a Future Stars squad. Which It's been really fun to play with those two teams rather than, like, the Live Series 99 guys. Yes. Honestly, like, they re- they released Ted Williams and Forrest Whitley at, like, the same time. And it's like, I want the Forrest and Whitley. I don't want I the Ted way, Williams. <laughs> I was way more excited about the Whitley, yeah. Yeah, it gives it so much more depth to the game, and I can't wait to see what they do next year, really, at this point. Yep. Um, And eighth inning's coming out, so we'll be talking about those bosses next week, probably. Yep, yep, that should be coming out uh, tomorrow or the day after. Yep. Um, I think that about wraps it up. I have a note here from last week's post show. Oh, oh yeah. Where can the right. people follow you? Uh, so if you want to see the other things I do, uh, which is mostly uh, tweet about the Mets and uh, and play video games, uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash Webzy or twitch.tv slash Webzy. I stream Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights from 9 o'clock to midnight Eastern. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jones. I'm also on twitch.tv slash Jones. although I stream randomly because I don't have a sleep schedule. Um, and don't forget to follow Tape Measure Takes on Twitter. At Tape Measure Pod on Twitter. It, yeah, Tape Measure Pod on Twitter. I wanted to make sure it wasn't Tape Measure Takes when you said that. I was like, what? Blew my mind. Um, but with that uh, being said, uh, stay safe out there, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, um, and we'll see you all next week.